Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Decision that should delight fans across the nation, the NBA today has selected Larry Bird of the Boston Celtics Rookie of the Year, beating out the year's other rookie sensation, Magic Johnson, who currently finds it. Rule number one, fucker. If you're thinking you ain't up to it, you ain't. Ooh, big two. Bet I look good on that. Won't be on there tomorrow. Be me up the winning me a ring. Don't matter none. Ain't against me. Nobody gives a shit. Says who? I'm in your head, ain't I? I'll get your ass next year. Nope. You actually believe that, I wouldn't be here. Nice try, though. Yeah, fuck off. Make me. Except you can't, can you? Because I'm better than you. Better player? Better man. No, that's right. Got that right. You asshole. At least I'm real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck all y'all. I ain't believing none of this shit. You just fucking with my mom, playing tricks and shit. I'm gonna go out there and win me a ring. You ain't. None of y'all gonna be nowhere close. The basketball buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! Thank you. With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Brunson defends, snaps it outside to Wiggins. Goes by Bullock. Oh! Drops the sledgehammer! Successful challenge by Steve Kerr and the Warriors. It's not a offensive foul on Andrew Wiggins, nor is it a defensive foul on Luka Doncic, but it is a good bucket and poster by Andrew Wiggins. Welcome to the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. I got Mo Dakil. I got Javon Edwards. And the back half of this episode, you will hear from Larry Bird himself. Well, kind of. Sean Patrick Small, who plays Larry Bird on Winning Time, the HBO series on the uh, 80s Lakers, uh, joined myself and Mo Dakil for uh, a fun little interview, getting behind the uh, behind the process of becoming Larry Bird and what that was like and acting in general and a little behind the scenes on the show and learning how to uh, become uh, Larry Bird on and off the basketball court. So we'll talk to Sean Patrick Small. You'll hear from that. Uh, but guys... We have a hell of a Eastern Conference Finals and not so much a hell of a Western Conference Finals. So let's start (laughs) off with the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's start off with the good one. Uh, Mo, with what? I got very annoyed yesterday. Uh, Shocking. You got annoyed. Shocking. As I woke up, I woke up and I saw all this just bullshit online of like well we've won 10 of 12 quarters and, I, and i'm like <laughs> you're down to one 
what is the moral victory shit? Like, what's happening right now? I thought this was Boston. I thought Boston was like title town and like this is what we do. And I'm seeing all this. We've won 10 of 12 quarters. I just thought like, yeah, agreed. You have. That's that's a fact. But you barely like you barely came back in game in game three and a lot of them are like what are you talking about we're down 25 points came back and down one at one point like yeah against Vic Oladipo like it's because <laughs> Jimmy Butler didn't play in the second half like and I know availability has been very very important in this series like Marcus Smart now Horford don't play in game one they play in game two. Oh my god look what happens uh but also like Kyle Lowry didn't play in the first two games and he looked really good in game three they were killing in game three and so I like if you avoid the one big mistake of a quarter in game one and game three, sure, you could be up 3-0 right now, but you didn't. And that's that's kind of a flaw, and that's something that you do have to correct because if you don't, you're two moral victories away from being out of the playoffs. I mean, it's it's more importantly, when you do lose a quarter, it's by like twenty. It's not like you're you're not even really in that quarter at all like first quarter of the game three 39 to 18 like you're not you you've dug yourself quite a hole even if you come back and win the other quarters by one okay then you've lost by like you know 18 at that point you know it's (laughs) like like if that's your logic of we won the quarter well they won the game and that's the end of it but zach i think you kind of buried the lead bam Adebayo showed up yeah he was great he was unbelievable you know this is the bam that you know, every now and then Jimmy says, oh, he's actually the best player on the team, all that stuff. This is the BAM they're talking about. And this is the BAM that's super aggressive, comes out with kind of set the tone, him and Kyle Lowry. Welcome Lowry to the playoffs, it. BAM out of bio. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> Jeez. So many series he should have been eating, Trey. And now he's finally like, now he's finally going. You know, it's just impressive. Everything that they had going. I was kind of uh, just watching that first quarter. I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, I do wonder how much um, no Robert Williams III plays into how how good Bam was in Game Three. But also Trey, I mean, I don't know about I don't know about you. I feel like Bam can do this against anybody. I really do. Like I I think Bam, it's been there for him the whole time. A lot of teams are allowing him to kind of do whatever he wants in the middle of the floor, and he's just been looking like, all right, where can I pass it next? And it's like, yo, just go be a monster. Yeah, I think he's overthinking it at this point, you know, um, watching his teammates succeed and just kind of deferring. And it kind of reminded me of uh, Clever last night, you know, just not yeah. looking at the basket and just yeah. just kind of like, yo, what? He what, got shook. What are you doing out there, <laughs> yeah, dude? Shoot the ball. Get to that one later. You know yeah, what I mean? He, so, got, he got shook. Man. So when you look oh, at Bam's situation, it's kind of frustrating, I guess, if you're a Heats fan watching it because it's like, like what? come on man like we need you and he finally shows up and i think he's definitely capable of doing it again um and you know the my only concern i mean the heat are very militant and they're how they're you know staying healthy and kind of getting guys and that was kind of their story of just not having all their guys and then they start the playoffs with like almost 17 18 players on the roster Right, and now it's starting to trickle down to like almost a bubbles finals where we're like you know if they surpass the, the Boston Celtics, how many guys are going to actually be healthy to compete? Yeah, well, that's I mean that's interesting. So like PJ Tucker got hurt, right, and then and then ended up staying in. Um, Jimmy, 
apparently is fine, but out of nowhere in game three, they're like, oh, yeah, he's not playing the second half. It's like, what happened? <laughs> I didn't see an injury <laughs> at all. But I do wonder, I because, like, the injury list, and I'm not saying these guys aren't hurt, but the injury list exploded for the Heat yesterday. And all of a sudden, like, six dudes are questionable. And I kind of think it's a little bit of gamesmanship from Pat Riley because the Celtics have been very fast and loose with – with the injury report on their end. And I think, I think the heat in a very petty way, Mo just decided, all right, you know what? Yeah, we've got injuries too. We don't know who's playing. Two can play this game. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's kind of what they, <laughs> what they really wanted. You know, they're, they're, they're like, Oh, you guys are going to do this whole team questionable. We don't know who's playing period. I think that's kind of what Riley's doing there. And you know, it sucks for gamblers, but ultimately I think this is the, you know, the, the tip for tat and there's no love lost between the two teams in this series. You know, this is, this is, goes back a while ago, right. To Pat Riley sit, putting out the press release. I forget what the exact quote was, but somewhere I think he along told the Danny line, to like, shut the fuck up. I think it's that exact, like in a press release, yeah. mind you, that's calling the, that's calling your PR people going, yes. And they're like, no, wait, you really want us to do this? Like, who, no, no. The, I who's want- the guy in Miami, Tim Donovan? He's like, hey, Tim, we gotta, we gotta tell Danny to shut the fuck up. Okay. You want me to call? No, put out a press release. <laughs> I want it quoted. Official I want them to know it Miami came from Heat me. Letterhead. So this is a bit of like a fun rivalry, at least between between the the two organizations in that sense. And man, like more importantly than anything else, Miami was just so damn physical with the Celtics yeah. in game three. Got into their bodies. Really. I mean, 23 turnovers, 19 of them live Dude, ball 19 turnovers. live ball turnovers is insane. I mean, the fact that they had 19 steals as a team is absurd. That, yeah, that's that's nuts. So on the on the Celtics side of it, um, Trey, like I, I want to see. You know, we've we've seen Jason Tatum have games. We've seen Jalen Brown have games, and and it's not all that common when they both have big games at the same time, right? And so Tatum really struggled in Game Three. I thought the Heat just did a great job on him. PJ Tucker did a great job. Um, Jimmy at parts in the first half. Bam, when he was switched, like they they even Gabe Vincent got switched on Jason Tatum. Like he really competed and they got him out of rhythm. Uh, but Jalen Brown steps up, and I wonder. I wonder how you get those two on the same page in the same playoff game, because I like I'm always looking for Jalen Brown to do more. I just think he's a spectacular talent and not that he doesn't do a lot like he's obviously been an all star and everything. But I wonder I wonder how you can do that against the heat to get both those guys having a big game. Man, it's about rhythm and it's kind of hard to get in a rhythm when one guy is rolling and then you kind of try to find the other guy and it's not like they're sharing the sugar like they should. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, right. all right, we're going to run the offense to Jason and Jalen, you're going to get, you're going to get your touches and you know, but I think Jalen sometimes when he's having a good game, he's having a good game and that's when Jason's not, you know what I mean? And that's when they go to him more, but Jason is the guy who's going to always get first dibs and for them to have both is probably when Jason's sitting on the bench, not when they're both on the floor. And it's kind of alternating and the offense is ran through maybe Jalen. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, leaning on it, I think they're going to need more than just those two. You know what I mean? Like Marcus Smart was like, you know, obviously I thought he crushed his ankle or something and then comes back on like a Paul Pierce kind of thing, um, which was kind of strange. But like he's Hooked pretty – He's pretty banged up and, you know, I mean, like 
they've been a really bad, a, a really good basketball team when him and our Al Horford are active on the offensive end. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. Cause everyone talks about the, the defense obviously. Right. Cause those are two very good defenders, but you're right. Like offensively, they just move the ball. Like they both just move the ball and they're a threat, you know, at least Al's a threat to shoot those corner threes. And then Marcus smart will occasionally make a shot, <laughs> make a jumper, but he, <laughs> but he still, I think he makes for the most part, he makes really good decisions with the ball. Um, in taking kind of that distributor role, which is not something I thought I was going to describe Marcus Smart as going into, going into the season. Uh, but yeah, Mo, like on, on the Celtics side of it, how much of game three was just like those live ball turnovers? I mean, again, 19 steals, three different heat players had four, five different heat players had multiple steals. Like, I mean, that was just, it was so sloppy, but I don't know how much of that was sloppiness and how much of that was, the heat just imposing their will. God, it's, it's a little bit of both, but some of this is like Jalen Brown does have a sloppy dribble. Like it's very loose. Like it's, it, he tends to kind of lose the ball a lot when he drives and things like that. So that's kind of a weak point there. The teams can focus on. And, and there were possessions where he just literally was like, here, Victor have the ball. Like it, it, it looked that bad yeah. with some of his, his, his drives and, and just kind of fumbling the ball in that instance. But you know, the heat again, ramps up the pressure, picks up the, the the intensity and the physicality of it all. And then the Celtics just didn't match it right away. It felt like in the first quarter, they weren't expecting the heat to come out and, and throw the first punch, which was really funny because they were saying in the, the timeout before the start of the game, you know, Jalen Brown saying like, yo, we got to throw the first punch. We got to throw the first punch. And like the heat threw the first, second and third punch yeah. in that quarter. Like they just brought it completely. And it felt like the Celtics were totally off guard. And as if they didn't come in, with the mentality of like, yo, this is going to be a battle. I think they came in there thinking like, we're going to be able to kind of walk through these guys after winning. What was it? Seven of eight quarters in the first two games, <laughs> you know? So I felt like there was a little bit of, of almost a, a, a weird sort of vibe when they started I, this quarter thing, man, it's just driving me. Nuts. I'm going to keep doing it just to keep, I, you know what? The, I'm going to send you a text message I, after each quarter. I want, <laughs> I want this series to go seven. Cause I love it. Like, I think it's so petty. I think it's, you know, two just physical, good defensive teams. Like, I want this thing to go seven. But there's also part of me that wants the Miami Heat to win in five and the the Celtics to win three of the next four quarters in each game. But the, the Heat to win in five, just because it's just, I hate that mentality. I hate that what we've won. You're down. You're down in the series. <laughs> this, this do, it doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. Like, you have to win three more games. That's what you have to do. That is the only thing that matters. There is no moral victory stuff. Like Dallas maybe can be like, oh, we made the conference finals. Here we go. But we'll talk about them in a little bit. They're getting smoked, right? Like they're getting smoked and the guys are choking. And like they're, they, don't, they don't have their role players showing up and everything. It's like it doesn't matter anymore. All that matters are victories. We're at that point in the season where it's just victories. And so like, yeah, all right, go win three or four quarters. You're probably going to need to win four or four quarters then if that's the, if that's how that's going. Um, with uh, with th- this series going into game four tonight, Mo, what do you expect an adjustment to be for the Celtics? Not throw the ball everywhere. Um, <laughs> I think the, the, the more interesting aspect of it is I think they will try to get to getting Tatum catches on the move more than stagnant opportunities. I think they're going to get him trying to fly off pin downs and, and floppy action and things like that yeah. to get him into the, the, 
get the defense chasing him and allow him to attack from there. And then from there, they'll be able to, he'll be able to kick out and stuff like that. Cause like the Celtics offense, when it's at its best, it's like you guys were saying, the ball gets moving. You know, even Jalen Brown's passing the ball, even Tatum, they're, the, the ball swings around, they get multiple, uh, Rotations around the uh, yeah. the perimeter and stuff. It gets in the paint. All they, that stuff. They can and have think, the Heat scrambling at times, and the Heat are a great defense. Yeah, I mean they just do a great job of like once they get them chasing you, then they can attack. And I think they didn't do a good job of that. A lot of it, even though Jalen had forty points, it's a lot of it was kind of one on one stuff, and that's going to play right into the defense's hands. They're at their best when the ball's moving around. So I think I would look for more just movement stuff in general. Then I think we're going to see some rotation things. I think Peyton Pritchard's going to get more minutes than Derek White. And I think that's an important aspect of that. And I think that's something you got to keep in mind if you're Ime Udoka is Derek White's hesitant to shoot. And I don't feel like that's something you could have on the court. Trey, if the Miami Heat win game three, who had who had it like which of the role players had a big game is it tyler hero finally figuring out because he looked terrible in game three is it tyler hero is it like duncan robinson coming off the bench to shoot is it max Struess just having a big game who who do you think has a big game for the heat if they're to go up three one i'm gonna say max Struess. i mean hero he's everybody's probably that's probably the obvious answer but like max Struess is my surprise answer duncan he's just a nine he's a 90 million dollar man uh podcaster at this point Wow. <laughs> Shout out to him, man! What a can what we a get that job? American dream, man! American dream, you know. Um, but yeah, I think Max Struess is, you know, kind of doing what he's supposed to do. You know what I mean? And 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 causing a living hell. You know what I mean? As far as playing a little bit above his scouting report. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. telling him, like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's yeah. gonna do this, this, and that, and he's kind of still there. Um, Harold, whether he figures it out or not, I think that you know, he'll be effective in other ways for them. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Moving on to the conference finals. Uh, in the Western in the Western Conference Finals, um, a little disappointed, a little disappointed in Dallas. Was hoping to at least have this thing go, you know, back two two, and and then maybe the Warriors smoke them. But uh, the Warrior, the third quarter Warriors, Mo are just like they're back. They're a thing. It, it is really hard to deal with them after halftime, and Dallas has learned that tremendously the last two games. You know, they should have won Game Two, and they and they just got annihilated in the second half and then last night in, in game three man like Andrew Wig- well one Andrew Wiggins murdered Luka Doncic but we'll get to that in a little bit like L- Luka had to work for everything he has a great game right has a great efficient 40 but only I think three assists because Reggie Bullock couldn't hit a shot Maxi Kleber got afraid to shoot even like Davis Bertans had a couple of three-pointers and, and those didn't fall 
But though I think those three guys and those are three of your shooters that you're supposed to rely on went like oh for fourteen from three, and it was I just mean, and, and I and I thought with like Reggie's at least like I felt like all of Reggie's misses early were in and out. Like he was just like they were about to fall and then they decided not to fall. And then I don't know if he got in his head at a certain point. I know he hurt his shoulder at one point when on a hard fall, but um, but man, like I just I kept waiting for that that dam to break and those guys to start hitting. And it just never happened. I mean, it was, I've never seen a team that's pretty good shooting team miss so many open looks in an entire series. Yeah. Like I feel like they've gotten a ton of great looks from three and have just kind of completely fallen apart. And like, it's, it's shocking. Like when you look at what they did in the first two rounds of the playoffs, they shot 38.5% from three in this series, they're shooting 32.6. And it's like, they're also good looks. Yeah, they're, they're wide, open. wide it's not open. Like, oh, let's give Dwight Powell a bunch of these looks. Like they're the shooters, the shooters they want shooting. <laughs> right. You know, everybody's like, you know, the box in one was so great. Look what the Warriors have done. They were getting wide open corner threes from guys that normally make them and just could not make a shot yeah. for the life of them. And I think it's like, okay, well, you're not, it's, it's, it may not be so much the defense as much as you guys can't make a shot. That's what's most startling about anything. And then on top of that, the Warriors are getting great great play i mean game two the kavan looney game now you get the andrew wiggins game like this is it's it's been pretty impressive from the warriors standpoint of just like these uh idiots like mo thought that they were going to beat us like this is their you know (laughs) their their mentality like they're looking at it going like you're an absolute idiot you know and i think that's kind of what they're what they're doing and and rightfully so i deserve to be shamed yeah trey with with the shooting from dallas um they have generated 26 wide open three pointers per game, not total per game in this series. And they're making 33% of them. Like, I don't know. I like, if you're Jason kid, I don't know what you do. Cause they're generating the looks they want. If you're Luka Doncic, I don't know what you do. Um, but like, it's just other than like Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't, I don't feel like a lot of these guys have just stepped up. First of all, the five out is not working. It's Warriors not. are doing a damn good no. job running the amoeba three two man matchup zone, or whatever they're masking it up to be, um, and taking away the drive. I mean, guys are just playing hot potato, trying to find the best shot, and you know, with Clever being you know insecure right now about being aggressive on offense, it's just playing into the you know playing into the Warriors' hand. And like Luca can only do so much as far as forcing the drive and trying to get some contact. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, Spencer Dinwiddie, he's he's the guy that's jabbing and taking some tough shots. And some of them are going in, but like, you know, shots from Finney Smith aren't falling. And the 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 offense is absent, you know, and like you can't beat a, a team like the Warriors trying to play that type of style of basketball. Yeah, they've just been too good. All right, let's get to the murder. Um, <laughs> that, like, what I loved is when when Wiggins was asked about it after the game, he was like, I don't know, I got a lot of posters, you pick, which is such a flex because he does. And the NBA cut together, like, all these dunks, like him dunking on Rudy Gobert and him dunking on Omer Sheik and JaVale McGee and all these ones, right? Dunking on Cat. And uh, and so the the absolute travesty of this 
and I will never forgive Mark Davis. And Mark Davis is not a good official. Like a lot of people go out there, but a lot of players will talk about how they think he's a bad official and everything. And he tried to get Theo Pinson to like change his shirt. That was weird because that because it's weird. the same. And, and he's like, I'll buy you one or whatever. And Theo, and then it cuts to Theo, and he's just like wearing the same shirt. Like he's like, no, I'm not doing that shit. Um, so that was weird, but like. I like what an incredible moment. Like he closes, like Reggie Bullock closes out of the heart on him. He, dri- he dribbles left, plants two feet, takes off, just annihilates Luca at the rim. And it wasn't till like Wiggins like lands and he's like kind of gathering himself to get back up and, or not get up, but like kind of get upright and go back down. And then all of a sudden Mark Davis like blows the whistle and calls a charge. And then, I think I think Steve Kerr challenged it, right? They, they didn't review yes. it. They, it was just a straight up he challenged. Yeah, straight up challenge. And so he challenges it. They rightfully, you know, take away the foul and they give him the two points. But like, you fucked up that moment. Like it was such an incredible play and such an incredible moment. And it was one of those like DeAndre Jordan on Brandon Knight, like one of those, right? And he just absolutely messed it up. And if anything, if anything is going to start a referendum on officiating, which I know is hard. I know it's hard. But if anything's going to start it, that's got to be the moment. You took that from us. Well, the, the only thing I'll say that was good about it was at least because it was challenged. We got to watch the replay 25 times or whatever. Yeah, John, John Hollinger, I think, said, like, I think he just called the foul so that he could go watch it on the monitor a few times. <laughs> yeah, like, I think there was some of that. Like, I think he called the foul, turned to Steve, challenge that, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> like, I want to watch that again, please. You know, because if it's in the play, you know, play, just going to keep going. Um, it was an unbelievable play. And, like, you can have Wiggins could talk about all his posters and stuff, and that's a great flex. This is your best one in the moment in the conference finals yeah. on Luca. Like this is your best one. There's no, there's no way to deny that. Yeah, Trey Wiggins has been unbelievable. Like obviously, Steph has been the best, right? Steph has been the best, and Draymond's been great. But Wig has been probably the third best player. Maybe, maybe him or Looney um, in in the conference finals and in. I've always believed that this was in him somewhere. Now there were times where that belief wavered quite a bit because he just seemed like, all right, I got paid. I'm, I'm just going to chill. But the work that, that Wiggins has done in this system has been unbelievable. Charles Barkley made a good point last night about how most number one picks are expected to be a Shaq, a LeBron, a Kyrie Irving, you know, and immediately rise to stardom. Right. Yeah. And, I don't think that's the case. I think that most teams draft for best ability, especially coming out of college and Wiggins, you know, it's a lot of people that would really kill for his, his statistics. I mean, he's 18 a game, you know, and, you know, probably lower now because he's with the Warriors, but you know, when he was with those, with the the Timberwolves, it didn't change too much. He just got on a winning basketball team and the expectations were extremely high. And I think that, he always was kind of like maybe a third option guy. And I think Mike Beasley, I think it's a couple guys that if they weren't drafted so high and they probably would have been 10 through 14, their path would have been a little bit more easier to, um, you know, uh, navigate and, and kind of consume, you know what I mean? Like no one never gets the Marvin Williams treatment where you got that time to develop like in a, Atlanta Hawks. You know what I mean? Like Martin Williams, it took like seven years for him to be like a knockdown three-point shooter and decent defender. So 
in this case, he was right. He's the plug and play Harrison Barnes. You know what I mean? He's that kind of guy that feels that type of need that I feel like, you know, outside of Kevin Durant, where they were able to plug in a, a superstar, you know, like the Warriors, the three is interchangeable for the Warriors. The machine keeps going. You just put a machine, yeah. you put a three in there. And this is, has been, you know, being traded to the Warriors is probably so huge for his career. Not only him becoming a first time all-star, but just experiencing having fun and winning basketball and just getting to chill and not have all the pressure on him. Steph takes so much pressure off of those guys with the gravity that he has. Um, and then you got guys like Clay and Draymond. Draymond steps in to be the leader. And I think um, as teams draft in the future, they have to factor those things in. Do you have a guy that's going to be comfortable with being a leader? Do you have a guy that's comfortable with being the face? Do you have a guy that can just do scoring? And in this case, he's asked to do the bare minimum, a couple dunks here and there, a couple jumpers, maybe a three. You know, if you keep it at 12 a game, great. If you can get more, great. Defend, contain. And that's what he's been doing to his job to a T and making everybody else's life easier. Yeah, Mo, I, I think, you know, I, I've joked about this a lot, but it took a while to get the Timberwolves out of him, right? Because they're just, right. I mean, it was just such a mess. Like he had a new head coach every single year, it seemed like. And, um, and just there is no accountability in that organization, uh, especially when he when he was coming up. Like it, it just it wasn't there. And so, as he gets to a situation where like no, these guys are going to demand you have to play. The turnaround has been has been spectacular. And there were times last year where he looked so lost on offense, right? Because I think playing with Steph has got to be just this bewildering experience of like, wait, the guy gave it up, but we're trying to get it back to him in this area and everything, right? Like there's always this movement. There's everything, everything is live, right? Every cut, every action, every motion, everything is live. And that's just not how it is. You see guys just standing around constantly. You see guys in Dallas right now in this series, just standing around waiting for Luca to do something. And so learning how to play the way that they've had to learn is probably a little more complicated than you're used to at the NBA level. But you see that it finally broke through and all right, we can debate the all-star stuff all we want, but he is clearly a, a different player. I mean, it's the, the, the point you're making about just how he looked lost on offense last year, like the Warriors offense is hard to figure out in the sense of you do have to have a pretty high IQ to be able to play there to understand we don't really call plays. We, we run a series of actions and, you know, organized all chaos, of that's, right? Like, yeah, exactly. All of that's off of, you know, hey, movements and things like that. When you pass the ball, you still have to go do other stuff. It's not, oh, I didn't have anything. Let me pass the ball. I'm going to stand here now. Right. It's it's all sorts of different things behind that. And I think it's, you know, it, it, it takes a while for a lot of guys to come in. There's not a lot of guys that can really come in and just immediately get that. It takes a minute for everybody to kind of pick up on how we got to play one steps on the court because it's entirely different than probably anybody else he's played with. You know, it's, it's not going to be something similar. There's no way to kind of recreate that. But on top of that, he stepped up to the challenge. And on t the, the, the bigger thing, too, is he's kind of become their defensive guy. You know, he's guarding Luca, although Luca's dropping 40 on him. Um, but he's also the, the primary defender when they had John Morant in the previous series. Yeah. Like he's the guy on the perimeter. He gets the toughest assignment. He's got to be the. He's got to help on that end 
on top of contributing offensively. I think everything we're seeing from Wiggins is the stuff, you know, we, we kind of hoped, you know, we'd see at some point, you know, and I think your point about Minnesota just being a shit show, it happens to a lot of prospects, you know, I think yeah, when, where you when get drafted get, is so important, right? I mean, yeah, just look at the number of careers the, the Kings have ruined. You know, it's <laughs> it's not a uh, it's 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 challenging in that sense. So I think it's it, it, going to a good organization. It takes a while too. going like, oh, you guys expect me to do this and this. And I think having guys, as Trey was saying, who, you know, will hold you accountable, not just the coaching staff, like screw around and Draymond's going to get in your ass, you know, and it, the most important thing I find with the, the Warriors and Wiggins is like, it really feels like everybody's rooting for him and 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 trying to get the best out yeah. of him. And I and I, and I think they're seeing the the fruits of their labor right now. Yeah, we've come a long way from Glenn Taylor saying, "Hey, I'll give you this 150 million dollars, but I need you to promise to try." Which is God, so incredibly what was dumb. He supposed to say, I mean, my goodness. <laughs> When Glenn Taylor's still interviewing like Tim Connolly, he's still running this team, even though he sold the damn thing. It's so weird, but that's a conversation for another day. All right, we're going to now go to Sean Patrick Small. He plays Larry Bird in the HBO show Winning Time about the Showtime Lakers of the of the 80s, as uh, they've chronicled with Adam McKay and John C. Riley, all of the uh, exploits of how Dr. Jerry Buss got the team. It's been picked up for a season two. So we uh, sat down, Mo and I sat down with Sean Patrick Small about the transformation of Larry Bird and all that stuff right here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Uh, we're joined now by Sean Patrick Small. You may recognize him as Larry Bird in the HBO show Winning Time about the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty. I guess, uh, I guess, Sean, you're you're the villain, right? It's like it's you and Michael Chiklis who plays Red Arbag. Like you, you two are the villains here in uh, in Winning Time. What has been the experience of playing Larry Bird? Yeah, uh, you know, Larry Bird is been kind of a dream role for me for a while and being able to play him just in general was like a huge dream come true but then to be the villain alongside Michael Chiklis is just like catapults that to a whole other stratosphere for sure <laughs> I mean it's way more fun right like you yeah I mean, besides Jerry West's character you curse more than anybody on the show it feels like every yeah. other word <laughs> yeah it's like 10 to 15 percent of my dialogue I think are curse words it's pretty awesome uh yeah, just to be able to kind of like have unabashed like confidence and swagger just really was a lot of fun, especially like in between takes and uh, like, you know, when we were getting ready and stuff like that. So what was what was the process for you in terms of like 
auditioning for the role, getting the role, like how, you know, how many times did you have to audition? Yeah. How, you know, did you, were you drawn to it immediately? Were you kind of, you know, brought to it because of, you know, a resemblance to Larry Bird? Like how does this whole thing come to, uh, come to fruition? Yeah. So it kind of goes back further than just like seeing the casting call. So I had actually been working on a mini series about bird and magic in like 2014 from like their high school years to the 79 national championship game when they first play against each other. Um, because people yeah. had told me like, I kind of look like him and I was trying to figure out what I could write and act in coming out of college. Um, so I'd been working on that for a while. And then this casting notice popped up and my sister-in-law's friend saw it and I didn't even see it. And she sent it to me and was like, you should audition. I reached out to my manager who was working with me on the writing stuff that we were doing to get me like a self tape through one of her friends, got a self tape audition, shot it on a Tuesday, Wednesday morning, we submitted it Wednesday night. We were told I had a zoom call back with the casting director, uh, had that over zoom on Friday. The following Monday was told I had a producer's room zoom call back for Tuesday did that on Tuesday. So like within a week, it was audition callback, producer's room callback. And then there was that week of limbo of like, you're still in the running. You know, they really like you, all this type of stuff. And then the following Tuesday, uh, I was told that I got the role. And two weeks later, I was on set. It was kind of this whirlwind. <laughs> and for anybody who isn't in LA or knows the business, this is as easy as that to get any role in anything <laughs> you want. It's just that easy. Like it's just within a week, you pretty much yeah. know that you've got the job and it's, it's that easy. Yeah. I don't just know why other people haven't been. Yeah. I don't know why other people. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been getting goals like left and right. It's that easy. It's super so. weird. Yeah. That's just laziness. I think. Sean. Yeah. I think it's just laziness. I mean, I haven't sent the tape yet. Maybe I will. Who knows? Next thing you know, I might yeah, be in the exactly. next mission sure. impossible. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if they need like Paul McKeskey or somebody, oh. you know, somebody weird in, in, uh, later on, I'll, I'll, I'll do right, that. You know, I'll, I'll play any role that, that Adam McKay yeah, wants. Very, Absolutely. Very, very simple. But so in your studies with, I mean, you've gone so deep into looking into Larry Bird and magic with, yeah. with everything like that. It almost feels like this was destiny, but what's the, what's the prep? Once you know, you have the role, what are you going like? Okay. Now I really need to be ready to go. I am playing yeah. Larry Bird. What are you doing in those two weeks from when you got the part to when you're shooting? Yeah. Um, and like when I got the part, I didn't know specifically when I was shooting. So I was told by like my managers, like it could be a week from now. It could be like a month and a half from now. So it was like being kind of prepared and ready. It's like a athletic event, right. right? Like you're on the bench, you have to be ready to go in whatever coach tells you to. So, um, like I had all that research that I'd been doing for years. So now I was just putting it into like a human form of like, you know, looking at YouTube on all these different interviews that he did. So like getting his accent down, watching videos of him playing basketball. And even just like, I would watch like the in-between parts of like him just walking, like doing stuff where physically I could try to embody that, uh, on and off. Um, which I found was super easy after like looking at like an hour of YouTube videos. It was just like stand up straight and like just have the best posture you've ever had in your life and then walk with yeah. no hesitancy, like just straight purpose. Like it's just like everything that he did, it was like A to B, nothing is going to stop me. And that was it. Um, so yeah, it was just 
doing that over and over again, getting the dialogue down, getting the accent down so that it was second nature if I had to improv or anything like that. Um, and yeah, my wife was probably pretty annoyed with me by the end of it just because I was <laughs> walking around the apartment with like super good posture, talking in the Larry Bird accent and all that. So yeah. <laughs> Talk normal. Yeah, yeah sure. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I feel like that's the tough thing. That's, you know, being the basketball nerds that Mo and I are like, we're you, you go into this thinking like, okay, cool. Like I've read the, I've read the Jeff Perlman book. Like I basketball, like nerd and historian and everything. Like I know the, I know a lot of the stories, but getting for anything like this, like getting the basketball part of it to look not like a bunch of actors playing basketball, yeah. like cannot be easy. And I'll, so I'll admit like they show flashes of you and like trailers and stuff. And you know, this season on winning time and everything. And it wasn't until I saw you like do the, the, the jumper for where I was like, okay, like this guy's taking it seriously here. It wasn't yeah. just you shooting a, a regular jumper. Like you've got the kind of behind the head form and everything. And, and I wonder like how awkward was that to, to film that stuff? Cause it, you're not in a ton of basketball scenes. Like you're, mo- you're mostly holding a beer walking yeah. around <laughs> or sitting there talking Great shit show. to magic. Like, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but, in ter- but in terms of that, like in terms of like how, how weird was that stuff to, to shoot and to like kind of nail down? Um, so we actually like HBO and the writers and producers were really invested in making sure that the basketball scenes looked authentic to the time period. And like you said, like actors not playing basketball type of thing. Um, so we actually had a basketball trainer, Edon Ravine, who's trained like Steph Curry and a bunch of other all NBA all-stars. And he was, he was tasked of, because I've played basketball my whole life, but the way I play basketball is way different than the way they played basketball in the late seventies, early eighties. And so like, yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like learning to dribble without carrying the ball, like they, you know, you had to dribble in front of you and um, the bird shot was just like, that was a beast in itself because it's nothing like any other shot um, I've ever tried to do. So it was like, I think I did like three weeks of training or something like that before we even shot any basketball stuff. And a bunch of the Lakers players, like they were training throughout the whole time. Like if they weren't on set, they were training with Edan. Um, So yeah, I really wanted to, me personally, I was so detail focused on like, I don't want there to be one little blip where people can be like, oh, that's not Larry Bird. I'm stopping watching the show. You know what I mean? Like that was just me personally. I know that I wasn't on the screen as much as all these other guys, but I was like, I need to take it that seriously or else it won't come across as this is Larry Bird. And I didn't want people that were my family and friends to recognize me when I was on screen. Um, And I think that I did that well. Uh, And it was just, it was just a fun process because it was, uh, you know, learning his shot, like my left shoulder was sore for like a week because it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. so far out there. Like, yeah. cause my shot is just straight up and down and his is like, Oh, it was like weight training all over again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a fun process. And I, I really, I told all my friends, like, I'm a professional basketball player. I'm getting paid to play basketball. which is great. You're, yeah. That's the definition of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got I got paid I got paid to to write on a on a Comedy Central pilot years ago. I tell Mo to this day, I'm a professional comedian. There you like, go. I wrote comedy yeah. and I got paid for it. Like that's what yeah, that's it's how it really is. annoying. It's actually really frustrating <laughs> when he says that. But, so let me ask you this question. How much just 
when you're not, you guys aren't shooting, especially when you're doing the Laker Celtics game, how much trash is being talked amongst the staff between you guys on, on the cast going back and forth? Um, I tried to talk as much trash to the guys as possible, uh, without like them getting too irritated at me. Um, I wouldn't really have my phone with me on set, but we, when we were like in holding or anything, I would, uh, pull up the dropkick Murphy's shipping up to Boston and just like play that in the background. <laughs> so everyone would just have that stuck in their head. Um, and yeah, I told them cause you know, for the sound stage they had was, was usually it was the forum floor. And when we were practicing on it, it was the forum floor. And then like the day that we came in for the first day of shooting for the Celtics game, it was the parquet floors and everything. And I was like, I just looked at everyone. I was like, yeah, this is my, this is my house now. So get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get this shit over. Still mad, I see. Larry, question. What'd you eat before the game? Food. Larry, who's going to guard you? Who cares? Larry, what's your prediction? We're going to win. Larry, what do you want to say about the game? We're going to play the game. Larry, you're going to win tonight? Yep. Ah, come on. Any jitters? Nope. Magic, magic. What do you think about Larry? What do you think about the strategy, Larry? Just another game. Uh, Going to be a good one, though. Two great teams, great rivals. That don't get you going. You ain't got a pulse. Yeah, so obviously, like, it, it got it, it got picked up for season two, and I would imagine, you know, knowing knowing how this stuff goes, like Larry Bird and the Celtics are much more prominently featured as this. Spoiler you know, alert, I, I, I don't know if you. Well, yes, I don't know for anyone who uh, who doesn't remember forty years <laughs> yeah, ago. Spoiler alert. Like the Celtics <laughs> and the Lakers, actually, uh, they're gonna play a lot in the '80s in this story, yeah. <laughs> and so um, who knows, like you know how how deep the next season goes in, in terms of time, but. How like do you still continue to prepare for this? Do you slip into the the French lick accent? Like how how often are you thinking about this role once it gets picked up for season two? Yeah, I've been I've been working out like I mean just in preparation. I'm kind of treating it like an off season for an NBA player where it's like I mean I'm not going to want to get in shape right when I'm starting. Uh, I want to be ready and prepped and like just in terms of like the Larry Bird character. You just watched Magic win a championship. So I'm kind of letting that guide me where it's like, that's pushing me for vengeance. It's right now, right? Um, Like I want to be better than I was last season, acting wise and playing wise and athletic wise. 
Um, so yeah, I'm prepping like that. Um, I try to slip in and out of the accent just to know that it's still there. Yeah. Does that mean, does that mean like you're ordering food and you know, at the restaurant and you just throw it out at the, you know, I should, I should, like- <laughs> I should do what, uh, I should do what Jonah Hill did with the Wolf of Wall Street where I just called right. the Zappos, uh, customer service line and they can't hang up. So I should just do that. That's actually yeah. a good idea. I'm going to start doing that. I got, I, I, I'm taking credit. I'm an acting coach now, folks. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we got an acting coach and a, and a comedian here with yeah, a professional exactly. basketball yeah. player. Definitely our job. And a professional yep. basketball player. We're, we're, this is yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> what, so a what, little bit different now because you did, you've played basketball all your life. What's your game like? How much, I mean, obviously it doesn't resemble the form of Larry Bird, you know, sticking out yeah. the elbow. But describe your, your game. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, obviously I'm not as good as Larry Bird. I'm not an NBA, but I, I do think that I'm similar in the sense of I can shoot really well. Um, I was like one of the tallest guys on my high school team. So I kind of played a stretch four, stretch five, so I could post it up every once in a while. Uh, good court vision try to just be in the right place at the right time. Cause I'm not the quickest. I mean, we were playing like we played Palo Alto high school when Devonte Adams and like Jock Peterson were on the team. So I would, yeah. I would be guarding Devonte, and he would get by me probably every time, but our team defense was good. So they helped me out. Like they would get a steal every once in a while. So I was like, all right, you yeah. guys pick me up. I'll, I'll pick you up next time. Um, but yeah, things like that, just knowing where to be on the court, uh, knowing when to shoot, when to pass. And then, uh, my handles weren't as good, but the training for this, I've gotten my dribbling skills down now. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to showcase that. <laughs> are, are you at a point, Sean, where like now, because you're so like ingrained in trying to become Larry bird and live this life as the character, as you're, as you're training and preparing for the role, like if you go play pickup or you go training and they put a white defender on you, you're just offended. <laughs> you're just like, hey, come on, this is bullshit. Like, how dare you? I'm going to light this dude up. Like you, how deep, how deep into character do you get? Yeah. I don't know if I go that deep because, uh, I don't have the game to back it up. Like bird did. I would say, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I might say that like in a rec league and then yeah. the guy will just you know i'll get like six points or something because you know the quarter's like eight minutes a quarter yeah and more iso centric so i'd be like all right well maybe i shouldn't be saying that in the game um <laughs> but yeah i'll i i mean I'll, I'll talk trash if it's like a defender's playing too far off me off the three-point line or something like that yeah we can go. From I kind of want you yeah. to show up now in your full Larry Bird garb at like the Y. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you have to wear the uniform right? now. Like, I know, in, like I in the makeup and everything, the wig. Yeah, yeah, I need to get I need to get HBO on 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 point for that because I should just show up to like the Venice courts or something in full full oh. Larry Bird gear. We could shoot all kinds of social media stuff yeah. with that. Like, there's yeah, there's a lot that can be done. Like, I mean, the professor's still around from the N one tour, and he's right? dressed up as a nerd or Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is way more, way more relevant. Yeah. We can absolutely figure that out. We're marketing um, now too. So, now add that to all of our resumes. There we go. Professional yep. marketers, the resume right managers, now. Resume like yeah. adding so much to your Look, resume. I don't want to call us executive producers, but we're not not executive producers on winning time. So I, you know, I'll get in touch with adam and we'll yeah. we'll make this happen yeah. for sure um 
so like how, how exciting, you know, you said you're preparing and everything. Um, how excited are you to find out that like season one was so well received and season two gets picked up and, and now you get to kind of, cause as you know, as someone, as a working actor, like it's not as easy as it was to, to get the role that you got. It wasn't, it's not normally as quick and, and you do have this, like the, this thing to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of, you know, knowing the history and stuff, I'm like, all right, if this show keeps going, then Berg will keep going, which is really exciting. Yeah. And that kind of pushes me as an actor to like bring my A plus thousand percent game each time. And then when we got picked up for season two, I was just like super ecstatic. I mean, it's like one of those things yeah. where you're like, all right, the numbers are good, but you never know. It's like, you know, there are grumblings that maybe it'll happen. Probably yeah. should, but um, when that was like like greenlit, greenlit, I was like, okay, this is something to look forward to, like you said, and any other auditions that I'm doing, like, are just like the cherry on top of anything that's happening. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I mean, for me, I'm just fiending to see the scripts and see how much I'm involved in all that stuff because I'm just itching to get back out there. So in, in season one, though, what was your favorite scene so far for, for you as Bird? What was what was your favorite scene you got to shoot? The basketball stuff was just really fun in general, like talking shit to Cooper and Wilkes <laughs> and then yeah. making it on them. Um, I made that shot on the first take. So every time after that, I was just even more like loose and limber, which made me make like most of the shots which was great that's a lot of yes. pressure though right like you got to get that you got to get that yeah. shot on the first take yeah 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 and payment the director's like yeah you don't don't worry about like making it and stuff like that and i'm like i need to make it i mean i'm playing larry bird i can't yeah. you can't yeah. do this editing where it's like the shot and then it goes straight to the hoop no like, it looks yes. so bad yeah that's always that's always you know they fucked it up like, yeah, yeah you gotta. <laughs> so i that was really fun but the scene of like me being in magic ted uh I just had the most fun on set that day because I just got to be like, I just got to screw with him throughout the entire day. You got to t- he had to be in this headspace of like, you know, angry that he lost rookie of the year. Like I'm in there to like screw with him and then cookie and his mom show up and they're screwing with his head. And it's like, yeah. Uh, so I like, I got a Funko pop of Larry bird and I wrote a nice little note that said from the rookie of the year, love Larry and sent it to his trailer. <laughs> so that's how we started the day off. Um, yeah. And then we both really liked just like as a snack from crafty, just like the bag of almonds or cashews or something. Um, and I wrote a nice little note when I got him one from crafty that said, F you love Larry and just left that on his seat. <laughs> so doing small things like that just to amp up the tension. Uh, so that was just like a really fun day on set. I mean, that's probably the best scene, just the back and forth yeah. back in that. I actually watched it before that's we popped so on. Yeah. Like that was a lot of fun watching that going back and forth. You get yeah. to talk the most shit. It's it's probably the best role. Exactly. Like, that's yeah. Really yeah. the ideal role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't complain. Yeah. You do it you're holding a beer the whole time. Like it's, it's, and now it sounds like you're <laughs> yeah. doing it yeah. when you're not shooting. Like, are you, are you sending messages right. now? Exactly. Like, hey, I'm coming for you. Um, <laughs> I do that kind of subliminally, subliminally through like, you know, Instagram and stuff, but Quincy and I are good friends. So I try to, I try to stay friendly now so that we can like amp it up during shooting, you know? Um, yeah. And anyone else that I have to 
talk shit to. I'm, I'm, I'm letting it sit on simmer. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be full throttle in season two for sure. And in terms of the beer drinking, uh, I did talk to Edon and he's like, yeah, you need to just, you know, just keep training and stuff like that. And bird's funny, like body wise. Cause you know, he would work out, but he would drink beer. And I'm like, yeah, so I just work out and then I drink beer for dinner. Right. Like, <laughs> terrible, that, that's what I terrible have to do. job. <laughs> my God. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's funny. Now I, now I have whatever I'm eating for dinner. I have at least two beers with it. So such a, such a yeah. tough role. Uh, <laughs> I know right? it's really just a, night, a nightmare role for you. Yeah, it's not uh, like it's not like the Marvel superhero bodies <laughs> where it's like cut all carbs, yeah. no alcohol. I'm living this yeah. dream right now, guys. Chris Pratt's like eating chicken, eight yeah. ounces of chicken every 45 <laughs> minutes and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, shot. We'll get you out of this. We appreciate the time because this this has been a lot of fun for us because we're big fans of the show. Can you just? I, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but if you can kind of just channel that that accent a little bit. And just tell us, fuck you. If you could just give us one of those as Larry, like just I'll ask you a question as Larry Bird. If you can just give us whatever, whatever version of that you've got. But I just want to, you know, how did you feel when Magic Johnson won the title and you only won rookie of the year? Fucking awful. Perfect. There you go. There it is. <laughs> on the spot. There <laughs> it is. Uh, Sean, do you, do you want to direct anybody towards anything? Instagram projects you're working on, just winning time in general. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched Winning Time, it's the perfect time because you can binge all ten episodes right now. So I know how everyone doesn't like to wait for the week to week. So now is the perfect time if you haven't started. Um, my Instagram is at Sean Patrick Small. Uh, I think my Twitter is at Sean P underscore Small. Uh, you can tell I use Instagram more than Twitter <laughs> yeah. by me <laughs> knowing man, that. Smart man. From, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, that miniseries that I started writing, I'm still kind of working working through that. Um, we have Thomas Carter attached as the director right now. He directed Coach Carter, and um, yeah. he's done a bunch of TV stuff. So, uh, yeah, just staying busy with that and auditioning and then gearing up for season two. There it is. Sean Patrick Small, a.k.a. Larry Bird. Uh, thank you so much for the time. And again, like, go get the HBO Max app. Go watch Winning Time. It's fucking great. I agree. Thank you for having me, guys. This was really fun. Thank, thanks, Sean. Thank Appreciate it. teams great rivals they don't get you going you ain't got a pulse as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10.00. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.